All right. Hey, Merry Christmas Eve, you guys. My name is uh, Jim, and I just want to say welcome to you, especially those of you guys who are new. It's, uh, it is kind of a weird thing to come to a church in an old Sam's Club. And so you guys wandered in on Christmas Eve into an old Sam's Club with no signs out there. And it's kind of amazing what uh, theatrical curtain grommets and zip ties can do. Um, you got a church, so it's pretty, pretty cool. So thank you for joining us. All seriousness, we just want you to know, we know that Christmas Eve's that time where you're hanging out with the people that you love, uh, people maybe you haven't seen in a long time, uh, old friends. These are just precious moments. And so for you to come in here and join us, uh, our little humble church here on Christmas Eve, thank you so much. It is a real honor to us that you would spend some of these precious moments with us. So thank you. Um, all right, we, we want to talk about what this is all about, what this day is about, what tomorrow is about, and uh, I want to start by just, um, I want to start by owning something with you, just telling you something about me that I'm just going to announce publicly. I am a guy that loves to watch romance movies, okay? I love rom-coms. I love romantic dramas. I love the holiday. I will watch Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. I will watch Masterpiece Theater. I will watch Poldark. I will watch Downton Abbey. All that stuff, I love that stuff, and I'm secure in it too, okay? Um, in fact, some of you guys hopefully are secure as well. I know there's others in this room that love romances. Just, just do me a favor. Quick, raise of hands. Who loves romance dramas, romance comedies? Raise your, get proud. Put it up, okay? All right, now, just for a second. Guys, if you're a guy and you raise your hand, keep your hand up in the air. Guys, all right, we need you guys out of here right now. <laughs> Seriously, all of you, you're gone. No, 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 no. Actually, hold on, you're going to like this, guys. Just trust me for a second. Guys, raise your hand again if you like romantic dramas, okay? Now, you single ladies, look around the room, okay? <laughs> I'm serious, pick one out. These are the guys. These are the, we're going to write a great Christmas story tonight. My only request is make sure they're single, okay? Because that's not the Christmas drama we're after. But um, No, so here, here's what I'm going to do. I, I, I like romances. I've noticed something about romances. Uh, I have two teenage boys who are going to barf when they hear me say this, but I fancy myself as a little bit of a love expert. So um, let, let me show you how every romance you've ever, you guys, some of you guys are sitting around wasting your whole Christmas watching Hallmark Channel, okay? I know you, you're in here. Let me show you what you're watching. Every single romance goes like this. Ready? It starts when they meet, and then they go out on a date. It's usually some cool coffee shop, and they're like, oh, man, and the sparks start to fly, and the relationship starts to go like this, and it usually hits like the pinnacle when they go, like there's usually the scene where they go ice skating in Central Park in the snow with hot chocolate. You know that scene? That's like right here, and then what happens? Something happens, okay? Somebody lies. Somebody runs away. Somebody gets confused. Somebody gets hurt. And the relationship goes from here where? Straight down. And there's this kind of period in the romantic comedy or drama where it's like all down here and it's bad and they're just separated. And oh, man, it hurts. And then how does the movie end? Every single great romance ends with this, right? They reunite. And it's just magic, okay? Now, here's what I've noticed. There's a couple kinds of romances, uh, and one of them I like, and one of them I don't like. And you can tell a great romance, really, I think, by what happens right here, 
right? The, the great romances all go down right here on how they reunite. So the kind that I don't like is this. There's some romances out there where, I don't know, it's like the relationship's going on, they have the time apart, and then one of them decides that they have to completely change who they are in order to satisfy the other person. And so they become somebody different. And I, I just got to say, like, some of you be mad at me for saying this. <sighs> the movie Grease, the musical Grease. Let's talk about Grease for a second. Sandra D, what happened? I love the music. I love the characters. And then Sandra D goes into that mode at the end. Some of you guys are like, that was actually my favorite part. But, okay, different story. But this is what happened. I don't like that. Come on, some of you guys are disturbed by that, aren't you? That, 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 I don't like that. I don't want somebody to change completely who they are at the end. That's not a great romance. No, a great romance is a different thing. So uh, I will tell you what I think is one of the great romance movies. I'm going to earn some respect back right now from some of you guys in the room. Great romance movie, Lord of the Rings. Great romance, Lord of the Rings, okay? Let me show you what I mean. So there's a character in it named Arwen. Arwen's an elf. Apparently elves live forever. I didn't realize that until I watched Lord of the Rings. Arwen's an elf. She lives forever. She really loves this guy, Aragorn, who doesn't live forever. And she, in this one scene, this scene right here is, oh, magic. She gets this little thing and she says to him, I will give up my immortality for you. Oh, the kind of romances I love are the kind where at the end, in reuniting, there's just unbelievable sacrifice. Not changing, but sacrifice on behalf of somebody else. Man, that's love. Guys, this is why we love Christmas. We love Christmas because in our lowest spot, in our space where we are like the furthest, we have that moment, right? Or that ongoing moment, if you're me, where you are totally far from God. Where you're like running away. Where you're living your life in a way that is just like, God doesn't, is not real to me. In my doubts, in my whatever it is, far away from God. In that moment, Christmas comes. Where God decides, it's okay. I'm going to show up anyway in your life. And God decides on Christmas to actually make the biggest sacrifice that you can imagine, and that is to leave heaven and come into our world as a person himself. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I, I don't know what your image of heaven is like. You know, it, it, maybe just stop and think about it, right, for a second. What, what do you picture when you picture heaven? For some of us, maybe it's shaped by paintings from a few hundred years ago where, you know, it's uh, angels and clouds and they're playing harps. And I don't know about you, but that actually doesn't sound like fun to me. Like, I don't, I don't want to live there for long. The picture actually in the Bible of heaven is something much different. In the Bible, you get this image that there's absolute amazing adventure and creativity with God forever. That there's community, like unbelievable community and love. That there's a complete absence of pain and sorrow and tears. Trust me, when you read the scripture and you see the description of heaven, it is a place you are absolutely never going to want to leave. And yet that's exactly what God does in Christmas. That God decided at one point to leave the comfort of heaven and come right into our world. 
our world as messy and awful and brutal as it can be, God decided to show up in a little eight-pound bundle and be held by a teenage girl and let himself be completely dependent on her. Amazing. It's amazing what we're talking about tonight. I want to show you a passage. I think it's a great Christmas passage, and it's uh, by one of Jesus' followers. His name was John, and he wrote a gospel of John. And there's some amazing words that he starts his uh, writing with. And it's from the very first chapter of John. Look at this. Look at these words. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. Now, I remember the first time I read this, I was like, what in the world is this? What's this talking about? What does it mean, the word? As you look into it a little bit more, you find out when he says the word, he writes that. It's actually a little Greek word that's logos. It's where we get our word today, logo. And logos means the speech, the expression, the outward appearance of something. And when you keep going in John's story here, you see he's talking about Jesus. Whenever he says the word, he's clearly talking about Jesus. In fact, you could take Jesus' name and just pour it right in. Whenever you see the word, you could put Jesus' name right in there. So if you did that, look what happens. In the beginning, Jesus already existed. Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. John's trying to make the point. This is not God's junior partner. This is not somebody who showed up who was just a good teacher or a prophet. John's making the point that this is God himself who came to earth. Look at those words. Look at, look at what else he says as the passage keeps going. It says, he existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. John's making the claim here that that little eight-pound baby actually made you and me. Amazing. Keep going. The word, Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can't ever extinguish it. The kind of sacrifice we're talking about over here, you can't ever, you can't get rid of that. That lasts forever. You skip ahead to verse 14. Look what John said. I love this. John says, so the word, Jesus, became human, and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. There's another translator who has a little fun with this, and and he puts it this way. So the word, Jesus, became human and moved into the neighborhood. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Guys, John's making the point here that this Jesus wasn't just a good teacher. This was God who came himself into our world. Man, you're looking for something to do in the new year. Maybe you've thought, I should really start reading the Bible. I want to encourage you. Try reading John. Get a Bible. Read John. That's a great way to start the new year, especially keeping this stuff in mind as you read through it. God is with us in the person of Jesus. You know, we, um, we sing about this. We talk about this. It's kind of around us. I was actually watching a Broncos game a couple weeks ago, and it hit me. Uh, Case Keenum threw a pass to a guy who caught it, and I thought, oh, Emmanuel. Emmanuel Sanders, right? And I started thinking about God's plan to reunite us, and it's this word. I hope you can read down. I hope I can write down. Emmanuel. Do you know what that means when you hear that? Not just a name. 
You know this word, it's, it's a name, but it's actually three little words that are squished together. It's a Hebrew word. This M means with, and uh, Manu means us, and El is one of the names of God in Hebrew. That, that little name is actually three Hebrew words that are squunched together, and it just means with us God. God is with us. So stop here. Have you ever felt like God is just nowhere near? You're going through something and you're like, man, where was he this year? I'm not sure God is with us. Christmas reminds us that God came into our world and has experienced everything that you and I have experienced. There's a, um, there's a writer named Max Lucado. He, he just has a good job. He's really good at putting things in a simple yet meaningful way. And I wanted to read to you a little bit of something that he said. And as, as I read this, um, do this. As I read this, what hits you? Pick, pick out a line that hits you. I'll tell you which one hits me here. But let me read what Max Lucado says about God with us. He says this. He says, Jesus may have had pimples. He may have been tone deaf. It could be that his knees were bony. One thing's for sure, he was, while completely divine, completely human. It's amazing to think that God would experience those things, having pimples. For 33 years, he would feel everything you and I have ever felt. He felt weak. He grew weary. He was afraid of failure. He got colds. He burped. He had body odor. His feelings got hurt. His feet got tired and his head ached. God experienced those things. To think of Jesus in such a light, well, it seems irreverent, doesn't it? Like, you shouldn't think that. It's not something we like to do. It's uncomfortable. Instead, we pretend he never snored or blew his nose or hit his thumb with a hammer. And look at those words, though. Don't do it. For heaven's sake, don't. Let him be as human as he intended to be. Let him into the mire and muck of our world, for only if we let him in can he pull us out. Mm. The phrase that got me in there was when he says, for 33 years, Jesus experienced everything that we have. Think of something that you're going through right now that is just unbelievably challenging. God has experienced that. I wrote down a few of them in the program. Uh, let me read a couple of them to you. Just these, these mean a lot to me as I think about my relationship with God and when I talk to God. Uh, here, here's just a few thoughts. And think about your last year. If you have ever been hurt by someone close to you, he gets it. God gets it. You know, Jesus had a few followers that were his closest friends, and one of them actually sold him out for money that led to Jesus' death, brutal death. Man, if, if you have felt some way betrayed this year, he gets it. God gets it. If you have felt lonely, he gets it. When Jesus is dying on a cross, you realize um, he kind of lost all his followers. Like everybody took off. And it was just, I think his mom was still there but everybody else left. If, if you have felt lonely this year, man, it's something you can talk to uh, with God about because he gets it. He understands. 
If you've ever been lacking for food and money, he gets it. Jesus said once, uh, he goes, yeah, you know, birds actually have a nest, but here I am, God of the universe, and I don't even have anywhere to lay my head down. God knows, God knows what it's like to be short on resources. He gets it. If you've been angered by some injustice, he gets it. You watch something on the news this year that just infuriates you. He gets it. He walked in once to the temple and saw some people who were poor getting ripped off, and he took the tables of the people that were doing it and just started flipping them over. He understands what it's like to be angered by something that is wrong. You can talk to him about that. If you've been tempted by something that could utterly ruin you, he gets it. Man, Jesus had these moments where he stared the devil in the eye and was tempted in three ways that any of them, had Jesus given, given into it, would have just ruined him. If there's something that you're struggling with right now, and maybe you feel a little shame about it, like temptation actually is very normal. You can take that to God. You can actually talk to him because he gets it. If you felt physical pain this year that's caused you to ask some questions, he gets it. Jesus hanging on a cross, I love some of the words he says. He says, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? Maybe you've gone something through this year that's been a medical thing that, you know, you have wondered, like, I don't know that God's real because I feel totally abandoned. You can call out to him. He gets it. If you've had a sharp conflict with your family, he gets it. Jesus' brothers called him crazy. If you, if you find yourself in the midst of that, even this Christmas, he gets it. If you've lost someone you care about, he gets it. Jesus lost his cousin brutally. And then in John chapter 11, you get this beautiful scene where Jesus loses a friend, Lazarus, and he just weeps. Just the ugly cry comes out. That's God crying. He gets it. Christmas means he gets it. And he wants to be a part of your life and be involved. I want to finish with a little story and then uh, and a challenge. Uh, but, but let me, the story, some of you guys might remember Paul Harvey. Remember Paul Harvey? Sorry for anybody, if you're under the age of 35, you probably won't remember this. But Paul Harvey used to be on the radio. He was a great storyteller. I remember as a kid listening to him. He, he told a story once about a guy on Christmas Eve. And he tells a story about this guy. This guy's great, really good guy. But he's just kind of at this place in his life where he's like, I actually intellectually can't get there to believe that God is A, real, and B, would leave heaven, come to earth. That just doesn't make sense to me. Which actually is great. If, if, if you're going to base your life on something, you better have some evidence. And so for him, he felt like he just couldn't get there. And so he, on Christmas Eve, says to his family, I am not going this year to the services. I'm out. And the reason is, I feel like a hypocrite. I can't show up to this and feel like I don't believe it, and so I'm going to stay home. And so he sends his family off to the services while he stays home, and he's kind of watching the fire. So the family heads out. They get in the car. It's snowing like crazy. Guy stays home. They take off. He's sitting next to the fire. A few minutes in, he hears this like outside. He goes, what was that? A couple minutes later, two more. He goes, somebody's throwing snowballs at my house on Christmas Eve. 
He gets up, he walks outside, opens the door, looks out there. He's looking for whoever's throwing snowballs at his house. He looks down, snowing like crazy, and he sees birds sitting there in the snow. This little flock of birds. And the deal is these birds can't fly off into the storm. And what they're doing is, is they sense the heat and the light in his window. And so they're fluttering off the ground and they're like pounding against his window. And so that's what he's been hearing. And he goes, I can't let these birds die out here. So he's got a barn, he goes over, he opens the barn doors, there's heat, there's light, there's, you know, and he goes back over to the birds and he's trying to pick up the birds to actually move them into the barn. And guess what? Every time he comes close to the birds, they're like, shh, no thanks, you know. And finally he figures out what's happening and what he can do. And I'll let uh, Paul Harvey tell you the rest of the story. They were afraid of him. To him, he reasoned, I'm a strange, terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but to help them. But how? Any move he made tended to frighten them and confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. And he thought to himself, if only I could be a bird now, if I could be a bird and mingle with them and speak their language and tell them not to be afraid, then I could show them the way to the safe, warm barn. But I would have to be one of them, wouldn't I? So they could see and hear and understand. At that moment, the church bells began to ring. The sound reached his ears. Above the sounds of the wind. And he stood there listening to the bells. Adeste Fidelis. Listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Paul Harvey, I hope for you and those you love, this will be a wonderfully merry Christmas. Gotta love Paul Harvey. Can I give you some thoughts to close out? Uh, You know, here's something that's true about any good romance, too. Every good romance is mutual. There's no good romances where one party loves the other at the end, but the other one wants nothing to do with it. That's not a romance. That's a tragedy. No, a romance is when two come together. Guys, if if it's true... What Christmas says that God came into our world and God made the first move toward us. Would you consider tonight making a move back toward Him? If it's true that God moved into the neighborhood, would you consider inviting Him over to dinner? Would you consider inviting Him into your heart, into your home, into that part of your life where you've built a wall up and said, God, you can't come into this space? There is a great Christmas love story to be written. The surprising thing is it actually involves you too. 
that God has moved into our world and wants you to return back to him. Maybe you've been running. You know, I, I can almost guarantee you in a room this big, a lot of us have stories of someone, family member, a pastor, somebody who has made us go, I never want anything to do with that whole God thing ever again. Maybe hearing just the purity of the message of what God wants in this sacred romance with us make you go, maybe it's different than I thought. Maybe tonight we start with that love story rewriting it and saying, I want to start that story. Or maybe you've been running for years and tonight is a night where we start to write the story and we start to renew that story. Or maybe tonight we start writing a story where we strengthen that story. But either way, I tell you, the best part of any great relationship and the most intimate thing is conversation. And so here's a challenge. The challenge would be tonight, would you start the conversation again with God? And what I want to do is I'm just going to take a second and pray. And I'm going to leave just a little bit of space. And maybe your prayer tonight, just to start with God, is as simple as saying, God, I don't totally get it, but I want in. Or maybe tonight it's, uh, maybe your prayer tonight is like, I'm actually really mad at you. It feels like you've been gone when all the stuff went down. Where have you been, God? Maybe that's your prayer tonight. Or maybe God, maybe the prayer tonight is, thank you, Lord. Or maybe the prayer tonight is, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, man, the best gift you can give God and actually, ironically, get back in return is to start this conversation with God again tonight. So let me pray. And would you talk to him? God, we thank you that you are with us, that you love us, that you're present, and that you came here. Thank you for Christmas. We pray, God, that just in these little silent moments here that you would hear us talk to you. So we give these moments to you. God, don't just hear these prayers. We pray that you would answer, that you'd make yourself known, that we would remember uh, this night and this Christmas as a night that is set apart, a night that is different. Uh, we pray that this would be a very holy night. In Jesus' name, amen.